Blog Talk Radio. Friday, well, Friday becomes a review of what you didn't get done. And so I'm not depressed on Friday, just a little bit chastened uh, by the over-enthusiasm that a clean slate uh, can provide you. So that's kind of where I'm at. But now for the rest of the world, all of you who are very happy that today is Friday, um, let's get down to biz. We've got a lot to cover because um, the first two shows of this little bundle uh, talked about what and why and where but in talk about how. Well, the third part of the series today shows on how. And so, hey, if you don't know who I am up to this point, I don't know what to say to you, but I'll say it again. Hi, I'm William Eastman. I am managing partner at the labs. You Labs, you say, yeah, Applied Knowledge Laboratories. And a company that is leading the unconsulting revolution. So if you are a consultant and you're uh, getting a little tired of the biz, Maybe you ought to be checking us out because we have, I think, a different spin on it. And if you are a user of consultants, hmm, interesting use of words. Um, maybe I should say, and if you have been used and abused by consultants, you're a client, um, we definitely are the place that you ought to be hanging out. Imagine being able to get the information you need to grow your business, to create the, the type of organization that it needs to be so that you can achieve your dreams uh, without a lot of jargon, without a lot of uh, double talk, without uh, having somebody borrow your watch to tell you what time it is. You ought to be checking us out. But that's a different topic. So right now, let's rock into the show. Uh, today's show is called Beat the Odds by Changing the Game. If I was to put a new title up for this, the more I think about it, I'd call it Make the Rules. Um, it is a rebroadcast of what we did on January 8th, and the reason we're doing a rebroadcast is we just did a launch of a new site. And quite frankly, I have some new insights into this topic that I didn't have two months ago, perhaps either because I wasn't thinking or I had some new realities to, uh, that I was faced with. So rebroadcast, I believe it will be a much better job. Now, here is some administrative. We need to do at the beginning of every show. One is what show number is. And so... As I look at this blog talk radio show number, it's 1,599,473. I remember when our show, our first show was like 200 and something. So the number, 1599473. That's 1599473. If you want to call in, you want to join us live and have some fun, I won't abuse you, uh, but rather we'll, uh, we'll have some fun and enjoy ourselves. It is 877-218-1545. That's 877-218-1545. 1545. If you want to chat, and so you want to be in, in the biz live, in this conversation live, but you don't want to be on the air, um, then here's what you do. You uh, go to our homepage at Blog Talk Radio, and that's uh, just as it sounds, blogtalkradio.com slash 
IB2E Radio. That's India Bravo, the number two Echo Radio. And finally, we got this whole issue around Twitter. So if you want to, uh, uh, you want to talk to me through Twitter, and that's uh, your your medium of conversation. Uh, our Twitter account, my personal Twitter account, is W Eastman. All right, much do little time. So let's rock it. All right. As I said uh, at the start of the show, is that this is part of a three-pack. It's the third piece. Um, show one was determining your legacy. In other words, what's your end game? Uh, when it's time to leave the business, how are you going to leave? Uh, are you going to be happy with what you got? Uh, all those things, what legacy do you leave behind? The second one, uh, the second piece, the one that we did previous to this, was called the course forward. And that is, it was all about what do you need to know to make the uh, the legacy you wish to leave behind a reality. Well, today, the third of the th- of the three, the third of the big uh, Foster's oil cans, you know, if you if you ever had Foster's beer, you know, you don't need a six-pack. Three of those babies will uh, will definitely equal six and then some. Um, this is all about how do you do it. And so this is really the practical how-to. And um, as a matter of fact, let me give you my email address is that if you'd like to get more information on this, write me and I'll hit you back. Uh, and that's Eastman, E-A-S-T-M-A-N, at aklabs.org, A-K-L-A-B-S dot O-R-G. All right. Uh, so one of the things we're going to talk about is kind of the bigger picture here is moving away from working in the business to working on the business. Um, as we talked about in the previous show, you know, there's stages of growth. The first couple stages of growth require you as the owner or you as an executive. You're, if you're involved in it in those early stages, it requires that you basically get involved in work just like anybody else. Uh, nothing wrong with that. In fact, that in, in fact, it's appropriate. People need a role model. People need to see it done. People need direct supervision, which are all things we're going to talk about. But at some point, You've got to remove yourself from that. Otherwise, the company is never going to be bigger than it is at that moment. And so what, one of the things we're going to be talking about at a very ta- strategic level, like if we got on top of Everest to look at this whole conversation, would be how do I begin the transition from working in the business, where I'm doing it, to working on the business? Working in the business is tactical, and it's today. Working on the business is strategic, and it's the future. If you want to grow the firm, you must be able to work on the business. Part of that is about who you are, and part of that is about the type of help and resources you have around you. All right. So if, if we go with the flow here, here's one of the things I want you to consider. It's a theme I'm going to hit on, and that is that you've got to change your mindset about leadership and management. Um, I don't know what you've learned in the past about whether it's uh, whether it's something that it's a constant or it's a variable. What I'm going to tell you for what we're going to cover today is that how you lead and manage is situational to, in this conversation, to the stage of growth of the business. There are other factors, and if we were having a conversation about leadership, I'd go there. But right now is stage of growth. Uh, the, previous cons- uh, the, the, the previous presentation on the course forward, the stage of growth will drive how you manage. And if you don't think so, let me help you here. So, two topics. There's only two things we're going to do in this, though it's going to take some work. One is, what are the management challenges per stage of growth? And what I would, rec- I would hardly recommend to you is that if, in fact, you have not listened to the course forward, uh, it may be helpful to pick that one up. Go back to that. You'll find it on my webpage. It's in the archives. Download it. Or you can also go over to iTunes, um, AK lapses and iTunes, but listen to that if there's some things that don't make sense here. And then the second piece is hitting the reset button, which I'm a big thing on.
you can start over. Well, the reality is you can't start – well, I shouldn't say you can't start over. Let me say that you don't want to start over um, because that means you failed. But what you can do is hit the reset button and say, okay, everything after today is going to be different than everything in the past. And I'm going to be talking about hitting that reset button as kind of the punchline. All right, stages. I'm not going to define them. We did that in the last show. I'm going to talk about the details. So you got the dream to plan stage, which is between the time you say you want to be in business and you start selling. All right. I'm going to. There's four key components to each stage. We're going to. We're going to talk about these in all six stages we cover. I'm going to talk about these four key components. And the key components are: what is the key part of the company? What are the management methods most appropriate for this stage? What, are core pro- what core processes have to be built if you're going to be successful to move on? And what are the failure points? What are the things that you have to pay attention to that will prohibit you from making the jump over? Because as we discussed in the previous show, is that because you're at a stage, there is no guarantee you'll ever get out of it. There's no guarantee you'll move on to the next one without uh, fairly intelligent management. Uh, very few people get beyond stage three, the next act, uh, with luck. All right? Now, as I get into this, here's what I want you to do on a, on a sheet of paper in front of you. You just whatever you're doodling on. I want you to draw a pyramid. All right, got it down. I want you to put. Uh, I want you to create three levels. Draw two lines. You have three levels. You have top, middle, and don't call the bottom the bottom. Call it the front. All right. So you got the organizational structure. On the left side, I want you to put a circle and write support. On the right side, I want you to write a circle and put uh, technology or expertise. Now, let me define that because we're going to be talking about these different levels. I'm going to define them. The top of the organization is obviously it's you. If it's just you and you're just and it's only you as the owner and you're the CEO and the president and chief bottle washer and all that, then that just means you. If you've grown and you now have an executive group working with you or you have more owners, I'm talking about that composite group. I'm talking about the people at the very top of the organization who have who are responsible for direction and governance. The middle are the people that you hire that interface between you and where the work is being done. Middle management, well, we typically use that as a term. The front, instead of calling it the bottom, because that kind of says they're at the bottom, the reality is that is really not the truth in terms of their significance to the firm. I call it the front. And the front is wherever the action is. If you make things and, and, and your business is about making things, those are the people who make things. If you're into service and you pr- provide services to people, they're the people who provide services. And certainly your sales force is part of your front line. Support. What does support mean? Support are those other functions that are not related to selling, producing, or servicing. And those support services, it's admin, it's financial, it's human resources, it's all those areas that if you're a smaller firm in early stages of growth, you don't have yet, but I can I assure you that you will need them at some point, and we'll talk about that. And on the on the right side where I said technology or expertise, I'm not talking about here, you know, whether you use computers or you know what equipment you buy. This is every organization has a core technology that there's something that they must do very, very well. I'll give you some examples. When I worked in the automotive industry, um, all all plants, all manufacturing plants have engineers. The engineers are not in this um, rating chain here. They're not considered top, middle, or bottom. They're experts on the side, and so they're kind of internal consultants. So if you have a problem on the line, uh, the first-line supervisor and probably the shop steward get together with the engineer, and they try to figure out what's going on. Uh, in our business, 
that is research. The core of our company is research because before we say to you, gee, this is what works, we had better get it right. And so all organizations have a core expertise, and at some point this is going to be an important function. So if you got that done, all right. Let's go through our four key components. Stage one, it's the top, it's you. You have to take, or if it's, a, if it's more than you in terms of the owner-founders, you have to translate what you've got in your head and turn it into a, a business plan that people understand and is actionable. How do you manage? Well, it, this is all about direct supervision, because think about what you've got to do. You've got to come up with a plan of attack. You're going to have to get something ready to sell. You're going to, figure out, you're going to have to figure out how to sell it. This is where you need to be directly involved. I don't care what the expertise is of the other people that you may have around you. And if you don't, then obviously you're directly supervising yourself. But the management method that works the best here is hands-off, doesn't work, get in the middle of it because there's no way that they understand your dream and are able to execute it until they see it happen. Don't assume anything. Get directly involved. What's the core process? Core process here, there are two one is you've got to get your financial accounting system in place. Now, this is a bigger issue than software, but let me talk about this in relation to what we talked about in the, in the previous session on the course forward, is that getting a bookkeeper isn't the answer. Getting a CPA isn't the answer. The answer is, is getting somebody who can provide you the financial expertise and advice that you need. Now, if a bookkeeper has a good sense of business and they can look at the numbers and say, here's probably where it's happening, then that's probably the person to go with. But what I'm saying is don't scrimp on this. And the issue with the software, because you need, if you think you're going to do this on a spreadsheet, you're nuts. You're going to need to get a software package. Get a software package that does two things. One, scales. So as you grow, you can add modules. And two, we'll talk to your CRM, which I'm going to, in the next stage, stage two, I'm going to talk about because you cannot survive without these two software packages, whether they're resident on your computer or you're, you're now moved to the cloud and you're doing it online. The second process you've got to put into place is the whole issue about branding and strategy. And though I talk about this as strategy, I, what, I want to add branding to it because understand is that in the order of things, strategy is the execution of brand. The brand is higher in the hierarchy. Uh, as we talk about this. So you, you you need to come up with what is your brand identity, and it's done well enough, well enough, that you don't have to change it in the future, but you can enhance it and tweak it and redefine it as you get more and more knowledge about how which customers you're able to get and how the customers perceive you. Okay, so And that's basically how do I take this dream and turn it into a set of strategic initiatives and this is what most organizations do, by the way. They have, okay, we have three initiatives for the year. Each one of those initiatives may have three or four goals tied to them and then a set of objectives. You need to basically get down to where we're going to do these five things. And that's what you're going to tell people. When we go live, when we open, the next, when we open our doors, move into the next stage, start selling, here's what we got to do. Failure points. Um, this is typically called flirtation stage. The failure points is the realization that you're undercapitalized. As we talked in the previous session, that what you absolutely must be aware of in this first stage is not taking too long. If you take too long, you burn up too much capital. You really need it now as you move into the next stage. And so there's a realization we don't have enough capital to survive the fact that we may not sell anything for months. 
I would say that a minimum, uh, well, I shouldn't say that. It's based upon your sales cycle. Let me give you an example of how to make that estimation of undercapitalized. And by the way, if you want more detail on this, I already gave you my email address. Hit me up. Um, and that is, I'm in an, when I worked as a consultant in a large consulting firm, our sales process was basically 90 days. Uh, from the day we first talked to somebody until the day we got a contract, uh, it would take at least 90 days. No matter what we did, we could not reduce that down. All right, so you got 90 days. Then you add um, 30 days in the whole process of sending in an invoice, getting paid. So what we found is that we we would it would take us four months from the time we talked to somebody to get a check. All right, so that tells you that if you're lucky enough, lucky enough to sell something your first month you're in business, you've got to have to last for four months before that check's going to be in. And I guarantee you that check isn't going to cover the first four months. That's what I mean by being undercapitalized. Number two is too slow to market, which we talked about, is that you need a balance of, I need to do enough research into what we're doing, and I need to build out enough of the offer that it works. But if I try to get too smart or try to overbuild it, you're just wasting time and money. The third one is that you look at what's going on. It's only you or the talent you have around you. is just not enough. And so what happens is that you get overwhelmed by the task, and then finally, you come to the conclusion that the business leader is not workable. All right, let's say all that happens in your rock, and you say, okay, we're open for business. What's the key part of the company? The key part of the company is the front. And by the way, you're still working in the business. If you're not involved, hands-on, intimately involved, day-to-day, moment-to-moment, it isn't going to make it. The front. And the front is now the sales force. Really, it's about the sales force in this stage. It's sales and cash is king. Okay. And you need to be a key person in the sales process. Now, should you be the lead salesperson? If you're great in sales, you should be the lead salesperson. If you're not great in sales, then you're the deal closer. Because ultimately, as we discussed in the previous session, you are new in the market. Nobody knows you. Why would I leave somebody that at least, I may not like them, but at least I know what they'll do? Because, you know, people always will take the devil they know over the devil they don't. And that is, why would I take a risk on you and your company? Well, they're going to take a risk not on your company. They're going to take a risk on you because they look at you and they say, this person has character, he'll honor his commitments, or she'll honor her commitments, and she's competent for what I need. And so if you're not involved in sales, it's probably going to happen. What's the the, um, management approach? Again, we're into direct supervision, only this direct supervision is going to be focused in the sales area and to some degree into delivery, but more into sales. Because uh, sales is critical because if the money isn't there, it doesn't matter what you produce or what services you provide. Core processes. This is, you only have to build one here, and in some companies you build it in the previous stage, your choice, but it's the whole process around new client sales. What is the process for bringing in new accounts? How do we move from leads to deals, leads to sales? This requires a couple things. One is CRM. If you think, just like accounting, managing it from the spreadsheet, if you think you can manage sales from a Rolodex, you're crazy. You're not going to make it. You're not going to get any bigger than you are uh, in this stage or you are now. You need some methodology of managing electronically so you can share that and you can manage it and you can see progress and a CRM works, whether you go with cloud solution or whether you go with something software resident on your computer. Um, you have to have that. Also part of this is making a decision of what sales model you're going to use. Um, there are different types of sales models. 
I don't have the time really to drill down on them in this show, uh, but there are four types. There's transactional relationship, consultative, and partnering. Those are four different sales methodologies. You simply need to take a look at what you're doing and say, for our business, this one works the best, and then to make sure the process fits that. Also on your CRM, it must talk to the financial accounting software. CRMs require people to do unnatural things. Ah, that's a joke. Uh, but the reality is that CRMs, um, to some degree, aren't as user-friendly as they need to be, which is the common complaint. So you have to you look for a way of making sure that people only do something once, not multiple times, to keep the thing updated. Uh, what's the failure points on, on uh, this stage? It's called infant mortality or cash starvation. And what is that about simply inefficient and unpredictable cash flow, as we hammered in the previous show? Um, what's, why does that happen? Well, wrong sales model. That's one reason. Um, you're, you're, in a, you're in a business, you're trying to sell consultatively where order taking would work. Or you, you sell a commodity that everybody else sells, and, but you're trying to do a transaction and take orders, and it's really a relationship sale, etc. Number two is you don't have a sales model. I mean a sales process. You don't have, based upon that model, you have a sales process, you have nothing to manage, which means you don't have a CRM. The third thing is, is that the owner is not engaged in sales. Uh, they're taking a hands-off, I don't do that, uh, I don't have time for it, wrong. They're not going to buy from the salesperson uh, in these early stages, they're only going to buy from you. And then finally is that you are, you're, you're, you're selling the right thing to the wrong people. And you made in, this, in the previous uh, uh, stage, when you were looking at strategy, you simply did not uh, pick the right target markets. All right? All right. Stage three, what we call the next act. This is the first time that you begin the transition from working in the business to working on it. All right? What's the key part of the company? It's the middle. And what happens here is that you begin to bring in some middle management. You begin to get a layer. Now, you can hire from within, or you can bring in outside experts. My recommendation is both. Don't just do one or the other. Do both because you're going to need fresh thinking, fresh blood. You're going to need people who have professional expertise who have done this before and bring them in. On the other hand, if you provide no promotion opportunities for the people who have been busting their butt for you at this stage, it's going to create some problems. So I would get some blend. I don't think there's a number of percentage this to that, but I would say a blend of the two. Um, What's your management process? Well, think about it. You've been directly supervising the first few stages. Now you get to have some fun. You know. You don't, you don't give up control here. You change what you control. And so what you're changing here is that you're moving from direct supervision to processes. The role of your middle management. And so what you see what happens very quickly is your span of control goes down in terms of all the things you've got to manage, but your effective management goes up because you got, you're controlling more things. Um, core processes. Well, First core process is that um, those managers are looking at the sales process you built before to see if it's right, make some changes, but also is you're adding to it now, how do we sell to existing customers? So you got the whole issue of organic sales as a sales process put into place. Everybody knows it's cheaper to sell to people that you currently have or grow those accounts than to get new accounts, and I think the ratio has been 5 to 1 for a long time. Uh, the second process that you build is now you look really, really hard at how you make things or how you deliver services. And so the second one is look at a production or service execution processes, and the manager you get in there, their job is to build processes. Now, just keep this in mind. The goal is to do it better, 
faster and for less. You'll hear me every time you hear me talk on this topic. I'm going to say lowest cost producer, lowest cost producer, lowest cost producer. That's what you're looking for here. And then finally, the third process you put into place is what what is commonly known in the literature as financial accounting. I call it activity-based costing. Uh, the reality here is simple, and that is now that you have mapped the processes out, you're going to begin to assign costs to all the steps. Uh, up till now, you're not you're profitable in the aggregate. In other words, you got X dollars coming in, you got X dollars going out, and you have something left. But if somebody was to say to you, what's your most profitable product line? What's your most profitable service? What's your most profitable customer? You simply don't know what those are. And you think you do, you're, what you're going to give me if I ask that question is your revenue numbers. All right? Um, what's the failure point for stage three, the next act? And it's called the founder owner trap. In other words, the company is you. Up till now, it's got all your personality and all your quirks and all the things you do well, it does well. All the things that you don't do well, it doesn't do well. And so you're faced with this dilemma of if you can't grow outside of yourself, if you cannot take on new skills or take on people who are good in those areas, you're not going to be able to make it. You, if you can't make the transition beyond this, and I, this is a lot of companies prematurely, prematurely age, why most companies do not get to the inflection point we talked about in the previous show is right here. The owner doesn't have the ability to grow the business because the owner doesn't have the ability to grow themselves. All right. Uh, also, as you see, unmanaged conflict because if you bring in outsiders who have got their own ideas about how to do business, and you've got the people that you've promoted from inside, I can guarantee you that the love fest will end shortly if there ever was one. If you allow that conflict to go unresolved, it is going to kill your company. It's going to turn into a cancer. And then the, finally, the last one, which was our first show in this series on Endgame, you got to be real clear on your Endgame. If you don't know what it is that you're building. Let's move, into, let's move into stage four, the big fast, the big hockey stick, okay? The key part of the company here is support. And what that means is that at this stage here, you've built capacity to grow the firm because that's really what the next tax is about, is putting the capacity into the firm, as we talked about in the previous show. Well, now what you need to do is you need to take, take a look at putting in a support function because what you want is the people who are doing the work who are producing the money, you want to eliminate as many distractions, non-value-added activities as you possibly can. So admin, maybe bringing financials inside if you've been outsourcing that, uh, taking a good look at perhaps having your HR person for the first time, all now makes sense because the company has got the financial wherewithal to afford it. And the benefit of that is you actually have better margins if it's managed correctly. The management method here is about results. You now what you've been able to do is you've been able to move from um, managing processes to managing results. You look at your managers and go, your department should be doing this because you have numbers. You built those in the in the last phase when the activity-based costing. So it's a management, it's a results approach. And by the way, this is the way that executives in most large corporations manage their firms. They manage by results. Core processes two. One is your budgeting process. Uh, now that you have those other pieces of information. Now you have the ability to uh, budget and see how money is spent. So your budgeting process is now the core process that you build. And it's not totally top-down. It's kind of a top-down, bottom-up, top-down. So it's a kind of a joint process. And the, the other one that you build here is your selection and development. How, you, how, how do you select partners? 
How do you support uh, what the partners could be business partners? How do you select employees? Um, how do you uh, select suppliers? And so now what you begin to do is you have a process because you see we've already determined in the early stage, stage one, how do you select customers? Let's talk about how do we select the people, all the other people that are involved in the relationships of growing this business. And what is the failure point here? The failure point here is the destruction of working capital because you didn't build capacity uh, in the firm in a way. And so what typically happens is that you spend a lot of money on advertising, as we talked about in the previous session. Um, sales orders are coming in, and you can't live up to them. And pretty soon what you've done is you've you killed your reputation and you're broke. And so what you see here is destruction of working capital and insufficient infrastructure. All right? Okay, I think what we're going to do with this show, I think we may extend this out, and the reason we may extend it out is because I'm not, I don't believe I can get the remaining done in the time I have. So we'll see what happens here. Uh, Profit-taking. Uh, stage five, you're at the top of the heap. If your end game is to sell, time to go. Profit-taking is the most important part of the company now shifts back to the middle. And what, what do you have the middle doing? you you have the middle now going through the organization and making decisions about what processes are working, what they're not working, and starting to look at writing policies and procedures. Now, there's a, there's a danger of becoming overly bureaucratic, but don't take the word bureaucratic as a negative. Bureaucracy, if it's minimal and in the right places, is there to do nothing other than to help the business operate more effectively. That's really what it's about there. Uh, what are you managing? You're managing results. So again, we continue this results focus. What are your failure? Uh, what core processes are you working? While well, you're going back to your budgeting process, so that's already in place. You're checking that out. You're looking at your production and service processes, and you're checking that out. And then you're adding some sort of performance management system to manage the relationships. You you built the selection and development beforehand, and now what you've got is you've got the performance management. Uh, I'm at the end of my time. I'll tell you what I do on Monday. We'll pick it up here. So have a great weekend, and thanks.